What's up? Welcome to the podcast. We're here with filmmaker Chris Von Hoffman. What's up, Chris? Uh, well, just uh, taking it hour by hour in this uh, very bizarre alternative universe that we're all living in right now, but uh, trying to keep the brain as busy as possible. So, I love that perspective. I'll get that's a good perspective. Bizarre alternative uh, universe for yeah, sure. It's, uh, World War Three in a, in, a, in a weird way, but no bombs are going off, thank God. It's so weird. It's real mental. You know what I mean? Everything that's going on. It's real metal? Like mental. Mental, yeah. It is very... Uh, yeah, Especially uh, like all the riots and the protesting yesterday, and it just keeps on... Um, we just got to make it to January 20th, and hopefully that'll uh, start shifting gears a little bit. So. Yeah, yeah. It's just like... The amount of different perspectives is like annoying. I found him off the Film Courage interview. How'd you get that interview? Really inspiring. Uh, well, I've been watching their videos for like a couple years before that, and I just um, it was as simple as I just hit up my manager and 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 asked uh, if they could reach out. Um, and my manager's assistant just got back to me, you know, within like a week after I asked, and um, and then um, you know, then it kind of just pretty happened happened pretty efficiently after that. It's pretty yeah. uh, straightforward. Yeah, and then I, after that, I checked out your movies, and I, I checked out Drifter, and then Monster Party. I think it was like right before Monster Party came out. Yeah. And yeah which one it? of the two? Which one of the two did you prefer that you made? Uh, Monster Party. Yeah. I think uh, Drifter was kind of like more of like an experimental film, kind of like um, like an exercise in style more than like a traditional narrative and uh and i got a lot of shit for it too when it came out like a lot of people like totally misunderstood what that thing was i was reading but, interviews uh, about it and you were explaining how i was like you were really like angry at the time you were writing it or something or some like you had a weird mindset when you were writing it like about how your life was going and that really seeped into the movie would you say that like your personal life seeped into the movie even though it doesn't appear so because it's a cannibal movie yeah, emotionally so. Yeah, I mean, obviously none of it's like, not obviously none of it's like autobiographical, but like uh, yeah, emotional, yeah. Emo- emotionally, definitely. You know, um, I, uh, I, I don't know. I'd been making a lot of short films uh, before that, and and they never kind of um, were really taking me to uh, the next kind of level that I really, you know, no representation really seemed to care about those short films uh, for years and. Um, and I, I was I was getting really uh, frustrated um, for a long time because I hadn't gone like the film school or uh, college. Uh, I hadn't gone down that path. Um, so I kind of had a, um, you know, so I didn't have that kind of leg up. Um, so um, I just at that by the by the time I made you know Drifter, I was just sort of like, well, let me just kind of um, make the, you know uh, this sort of homage experience. Uh, and, uh, and I'll use like the, I guess, you know, just kind of, uh, reflect, uh, how I was feeling at that time to kind of just go nuts and, uh, not really care about traditional narrative and, and, and kind of go beyond, um, like a traditional movie, which I didn't really feel was, I, yeah. I wasn't really interested in making a traditional movie when I made that movie. Yeah. It's not, it's not just a bunch of Campbell mayhem, something a bit more to it. 
And I found funny in the interview you did about it, it was like you were explaining how like people were like poorly marketing it as like some Mad Max type movie and shit. And I, um, I just thought that was yeah. funny. Um, yeah, there, there were a couple like uh, foreign posters that um, were not at all what that, you know, they were saying it was like the Book of Eli meets Mad you know, I mean, it has like elements of Mad Max in there for sure, but um, the thing, you know, it's its own species. And uh, do you when care you start for the to... Mad Max movies though? Yeah, I mean, I I I love the you know I love uh, Road Warrior, um, and I I love Thunderdome's the one that I remember the most because it's just so ridiculous. I mean, it's just so sprawling and yeah, uh, you know, Fury Road, I I, I dug it. Um, I wanted a little bit more meat to it, but but. Uh, but I liked yeah. it, you know. What I liked about the Road Warrior is the opposite. Why I like Fury Road. The Road Warrior is a bit more calm and realistic, but the Fury Road's completely fucking unrealistic and in your face. So, like, I like them for two reasons, different reasons. For sure, yeah. That's kind of how I feel about uh, all like the Alien movies, like the first four. Like, I love all four of them. For completely different reasons. Yeah, you know? I think I'll, I think I'd start to feel that way about a lot of different franchises in general, if that makes sense. Sure. Just like, not every I like when franchises have movies that aren't all the fucking same. Like, why does every movie have to be the same? And that's why, like, I don't know. Just you look at certain, like, for instance, Star Wars. The newer movies try to replicate the old stuff instead of build something new. That's my opinion. Um, but I don't know. But let me think of another example where that is like that. Like, oh, yeah. So I was back to Mad Max. So I look at Beyond Thunderdome is the way I look at, like, the prequels. Cool lore, but not really, like, a amazing movie. Just, like, cool lore. You learn a lot of new things and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I just feel like i got to say that. So why do you prefer Monster Party? Uh, I, I think it's just – I think it was the – I think it was, um, uh, I think the script is a lot stronger, but also I think, uh, it, it, it was, it, it got across tonally, uh, what I had been trying to do for a lot. Cause I'm, you know, I'm generally a happy guy, but, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm not like hardcore, especially as I get older, I get less and less like nihilistic about and, and, and cynical about I have more of like a cynical sense of humor than an actual cynical point of view on things. And, and, uh, and monster party, I think was the first, uh, time that, uh, I was able to, I, I felt, um, I felt good about, I, I was able to get that sense of humor, uh, through, which is cause I, you know, I started out wanting to make, um, dark comedies. Uh, before horror films, and uh, I prefer dark comedies more than horror films. Um, and uh, yeah. like, I, I wanted to make stuff like Eastbound and Down, and, and like Jody Hill kind of stuff. And that was my like observe and report. Like, I want to make that kind of stuff. Yeah. Is that the one? That's like a TV show, right? Eastbound and Down. Yeah, with uh, Kenny Powers, like Dan the Danny baseball Brock. player. Yeah. Yeah, 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 dude. Yeah. That's fucking. I mean, that like, was that's. A, I watched a couple episodes of that. That's. They gives me like Joe Dirt vibes a little bit. But like better. Uh, yeah, well, I just like the sort of the you know because that, I mean, even Joe Dirt's a little bit more like mainstreamy, like Vice Principals and Eastbound and Down. They kind of have like that. And Observer Report, like I love that movie. Like that, 
that had that where it was super grounded and gritty, but it was so over the top at the same time and really kind of like um, had a very uh, sort of dark uh, red sense of humor. Like that's the kind of stuff. Well, oh, you like them I late guess, night comedies, you know what I mean? But like still like the but violent late night comedies. Yeah, well, I mean, like I'm not like uh, I don't always, you know, I'm not like all about. It might seem like it, but I'm not like all about violence. I, I like more like violent tones, you know, okay. like uh, very self-destructive characters. I'm more interested in than actual literal violence on screen. You like writing about like uh, people who are messed up. It seems. Yeah, but like people that like uh, you wouldn't completely care about or like agree with. Is that what you mean? Yeah, people were like you know self-destructive people, but like you know there's something about them that you like. Yeah, yeah, like like I I like that stuff. I find that in like Patrick Bateman or something. Many of Brad Easton Ellis's characters, I've been like going down his fucking disc uh, bibliography. It's like. Yeah, I, I love Brady Sinellis. So. He has a real good podcast, too. Yeah, no, I, I've listened to it, yeah. I, I mean, I love, uh, like, The Rules of Attraction. Yeah. Uh, that's, like, one of my favorite films. Uh, I like that director a lot. Uh, Roger Avery. Avery? Oh. Like, Tarantino's old partner. Uh, did you see Lucky Day? I haven't. I did. I rented it, yeah, because I was... I've been following it for... Because he had been developing that for, like, a decade. And uh, I, I didn't... Um, didn't quite work. I thought it was very well shot and technically well executed. I just didn't, it didn't fully work. I thought kind of, it was kind of past its prime, that kind of movie, but I love killing Zoe. Uh, so you're saying like if that movie came out in like 2005 or 2007, it would have been like more better received. Probably. Yeah. But I, but I love killing Zoe, his first film that he oh. made, uh, like in the midst of like reservoir dogs when that was happening, like killing Zoe, I actually like more than reservoir dogs. Yeah. So more, yeah, he was he was real thing. buddies with Tarantino at the time. Yeah, and, and they co-wrote fucking the movie on that poster two, right there. You know, <laughs> uh, Pulp Fiction, yeah, yeah, True Romance too, and yeah, I just I think Roger Avery is because I've watched a lot of interviews with him. And he's he's kind of has an intellectual side about him that I think is really fascinating. And he's not all about genre films. You know, The Rules of Attraction is not a genre film. You know, it's a satire on college life and you know yeah. that uh, people of that age range that I thought was fascinating. Yeah, like, Red Easton Ellis, because it's obviously adapted from a Red Easton Ellis book, so he, like, takes, like, a certain demographic of people and, like, just, like, you know what I mean? Like, a group of people that he, like, wants to make fun of because he doesn't, like, he kind of low-key hates them. You know what I mean? Like, the rich Wall Street yeah. person. He he doesn't want to explicitly show that he, he would rather write that than say that he hates those type of people. For it sure, yeah. Like, less than zero too dude there's a scene in less than zero like have you read less than zero Uh, i have it's been a while but i remember the i remember the film not really doing the book justice i didn't see the movie i don't i'm weird with that like i I read the misery book never watched the movie don't i I feel like i should though but yeah i like misery a lot the film but like there's a certain like horrifying ass scene in it but like the horrifying scenes in, in less than zero which aren't like the whole movie you know what i mean they don't have to be the whole movie there's like a horrifying yeah. scene yeah like the book of american psycho is way i mean even more hardcore than the film and yeah the film like is I, pretty pretty hardcore yeah like i was reading about like i didn't read the 
I didn't read the book as soon as I saw the movie. Like, I was, like, I watched the movie, then read the book. But, like, I read online that the book had, like, crazy fucking necrophilia in it. And I was, like, oh, wow. Um, I don't know if I want to watch it. And then, I, and then I, I mean, I don't know if I want to read it. And then I read, li- listened to the audiobook. And I was, like, okay, this is not that bad. I, I mess with audiobooks more, if I'll be honest. Um, it's just, like, a going, running gun type thing. Um, yeah. So, what is appealing to you about, like, gore in movies, making them? Because I'd say your movies have a decent amount of them. What's appealing about it? Um, well, I mean, it's funny, because I'm, I'm not really, like, a gore guy. Like, um, just those films, I feel like if you're going to make a horror movie that has, like, a slasher framework, you better just kind of go nuts with it and go all the way with it. So I did with those movies, but I'm not really, um, most of the scripts that I write don't That's not really your main idea. No, I wouldn't consider myself to be like a splatter guy, even though those two films are technically kind of, you can write them off as like splatter movies. Um, but yeah, I'm not really, um, I like more, uh, I, I mean, I, I guess, but I, you know, I, I do like the, you know, I mean, I, I, it's uh, interesting because I've been sort of moving away from that of late. Um, yeah, your new movie you said was like very similar to your Blue short film, which I thought was like awesome. Like, I remember, I think you DM me about it like a while ago. I was like, yeah, you were like, know. do you have, do you want to show any detail, any information about how this new feature is like Blue? Uh, well, I think it's more... Um... I'd say it's a more like internal experience. It's more like a character based uh, internal struggle. Yeah, I mean, it's more it's more about like the human condition, more like an emotional experience than a than a slasher movie. It's not it's not a slasher movie. It's more like uh, um, kind of like uh, uh, Angel Heart a little bit with uh, Mickey Work. It's kind of like that. Um, I like that. Uh, yeah, it was from like it was an Alan Parker film from 1987. Um, uh, you know, um, it's kind of also like a enemy with Jake Gyllenhaal. You know, mm-hmm. there's a you know, mm-hmm. just kind of yeah. you know it, it's it's kind of more in line with those kind of films. You know, it's which is the stuff that I prefer over like. Uh, I mean, look, I mean, you're talking to someone who's a hardcore like fan of like. Friday the Thirteenth franchises and and Nightmare on Elm Street, like I love all that stuff. You know, it's like I'm not acting like some sort of snob. You know, like but like this film is not. Um, yeah, it's like a a psychological kind of experience. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying like. So you're not you're not like a snob when it comes to like the movies. You're like you're just weirdly specific. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I, mean, I, I like everything. I mean, I was just watching a palms last night with diane keaton you know it's like it's like i i just i watch everything you know i just watch anything that kind of holds my attention yeah like i like all like um like i like movies about normal people and then i like movies about not normal people you know what i mean like it just really depends on the mood mood you know what i mean like when i have fun i'm gonna put on like uh blowout like John Travolta, Love it. if I'm in the mood, like if I want to be like, like if I want to get hype, you know what I mean? Because it's like real thrilling and shit like that. But like, I'll watch. But like if I'm really feeling like, not sad, but like, you know what I mean? It's like bored and bo- like real bored and stuff. Or I want to feel like something where I can relate to it. I'll put on like Rushmore 
or something. Some real Wes Anderson type movie. Um, I, I'm I'm a Wes Anderson stan. I've been getting into Noah Baumbach as well. I love um, the May. What is that? Not the Mayweather stories. The uh, Meyerowitz. Uh, the Meyer. Yeah, the Netflix film. I like that. Yeah. I love um, you know, Kicking and Screaming, his first film. I want to check that out so bad. Yeah, with uh, Eric. Uh, I think um, yeah, like Parker Posey's in it. I think Eric Stoltz is in it. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a really good like '90s like indie cast. There's something about them '90s indie movies that I don't think everybody just got into it. You know what I mean? Like the film. It was a great. It was you could argue like the '90s was uh, kind of a combination of the '70s and the '80s because you had all these like cheesy like Studio B movies coming out like Judge Dredd and Con Air and all that, which were very '80s kind of influenced. And then, but there was also this like birth of like '70s redux kind of indie movements with kevin smith and tarantino and pt anderson david fincher yeah. so i mean it was kind of like combination of both decades i really mess with clerks a lot like i like i like clerks because it's like relatable to the everyday man you know what i mean like that blue collar yeah well that's person. that's yeah why kevin I'm smith like, is very much like a everyday man kind of filmmaker yeah like just those stupid ass conversations about Star Wars just make the fucking movie. You know what I mean? Like right. it doesn't have to be about thirty different things happening at once. Yeah, there is an arc for the main character, but it's like, you know what I mean? It's still good, even though it's not like it, the whole movie isn't about the arc, but it kind of is. Right. Um, like the main character of Monster Party. Um, I think the ending for his character. Cause he like saves his dad at the end right. was um was the violent behavior at the end of monster party like a result of like the horrible situation he was in the whole movie would you say yeah that? I, yeah i mean i sort of looked at it like he kind of um like the mansion almost uh was like kind of a haunted house that kind of possessed him uh into becoming a killer and and when he left there and went back to his uh, everyday world uh, it's like he had transformed he had sort of inherited uh, being the last remaining survivor of his group, um, he sort of inherited um, this uh, behavior and yeah. brought it back into the, his world. Yeah, I would say like that's really what made the movie was like yeah. when he took the past experiences with him into the fucking future, like with him and right, stuff right. like that. And um, did you always have that idea from the start, or was that just like at the end? I... Was, like, you know, I can't actually take, uh, um, uh, I can't take, uh, um, what's, what's the word? Uh, I can't take ownership of that uh, twist in the ending um, of him going, I mean, him saving the father was always like my idea, like, you know, killing the guy that was holding him hostage, but but killing the people in the strip club and becoming this like violent massacre thing, that was actually um, the producer Brian Kavanaugh Jones's idea, um, which I was a little sort of um, uh, taken aback by at first because it was just so, it was just so like it felt at the time like super like a um, little too over the top. But then I felt like well the whole film is kind of like heightened at that point. So, so yeah, we just sort of uh, said fuck it and and, and and did that and uh, and um, yeah, it's, it's I mean you know some some people like you know I mean I, there's always gonna be some people that feel like it was like too out of left field but most people seem to enjoy that climax yeah like so, so basically you're saying the idea of the end was always in your head but the specifics of it were detailed by your producer 
yeah, who's an awesome producer and he was uh, really championing the project from the beginning. And um, and he was a uh, yeah, he was he's great. Have you been working with him before the project, or do you work uh, before? The, uh, no, no, he um, uh, well, my manager, uh, his office. Uh, well, now they're all re- working remotely now, but but his office at his office, um, uh, my manager's office was. Uh, uh, you know, adjacent to the producer's office. It was like a, a, you know, a production company and a management company together. It's kind of like Siamese yeah. twins. Um, so they kind of all knew each other. And like, he came on once I, once my manager brought me on as a client and um, then the whole thing kind of snowballed from there. And he's, but he's really a, a super Zen kind of uh, producer and really, and he's super successful uh, at what he does. And, um, and I really respect, you know, he produced like a lot of Jeff Nichols films and, um, you know, he's getting into like the podcast uh, fiction shows now, which are blowing up. And, yeah. I was, I've been lear- um, learning about that. Like I was watching like an interview with someone from Glee. I don't watch Glee. This guy just does interview yeah. really good interviews on his channel and interview one of the members of Glee. And she was like, started her own podcast, like mystery show and something like that. And, like, it's just cool to see that, like, type of stuff going to podcasting because, like, you have podcasts that are just, like, normal interviews like this. But I occasionally, like, I go in a different territory and I, like, do film reviews on other, like, podcasts that I run and stuff like that. Like, there always has, like, it's fun to do interviews, but it's it seemed like it would be cool to, like, I don't know, read an audio book that I wrote or something like that. For sure. Like, yeah, it's just... Shouts out to anybody else in the podcasting world. Like, yeah. Um, you had a segment of the movie Phobias. Right. What was that segment about? It's, like, about, like, certain fears. Is it released? Like, what do you know about that movie? Like, uh, Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a, a long pro. I mean, um, uh, I, I know it, 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 a distributor picked it up, uh, but we just... <laughs> There hasn't been. I think they're just figuring things out for COVID. You know, I think there hasn't been a, a release date, but it it, it has been bought. Um, it, uh, you know, premiered at a film festival uh, right before the lockdown uh, in Northern California, uh, right back in February last year, and and then and then everything kind of shut down with festival screenings. Um, but uh, you know, it will be getting released this year. I just don't know when. But um, but yeah, the segment. I mean, Radio Silence was the executive producer on the film. The guys that directed Ready or Not. Um, and so I got to know them a little bit and they're awesome. Yeah. Like they're like, you know, some of the coolest, I mean, they, they deserve all the success they're getting. They're just such genuine talents and such genuine people. But, um, uh, what was your the, segment though? My segment. Yeah. My segment was, um, yeah, it was a pretty straightforward. Like, uh, I just want to do something like really simple, you know? Um, uh, cause I knew it was gonna be like a pretty tight schedule. So I just wanted to do something really straightforward and just kind of a, it, it was a straightforward home invasion story, like three uh, teenage kids that uh, break into a teacher's home. What was the phobia though, that you, you were deep? Uh, it was like f- fear of like teenagers. <laughs> it was uh, called a FIBA phobia, which uh, was like fear of uh, young people. So what was the perspective of the character? It was like an old guy. No, it was a woman. Um, actually, uh, Seth Rogen's wife played the character. Oh, shit. Um, and she's uh, she's also a director in her own right. She made a film called uh, Lake Father with Kristen Bell on Netflix, which is a you know pretty solid drama, uh, comedy. Um, like and, uh, Father? Also, yeah, Like, comma, Father. Oh, I saw the trailer for that, and I never watched yeah. the movie, but it looked fucking like, really good. Like, Yeah, you know, it's, it's a solid, like, you know, Kristen Bell's really good, and uh, Kelsey Grammer's really good. Like, family um, drama, but not for yeah. family like about 
it's themes a little bit family. You know I'd say I mean? it's a little bit more mature than your traditional family dramedy. Like it's, uh, you know, it's not like a, a straight comedy. You know, it's a, it's a drama with comedy throughout it. I'd say. Yeah, um, but like the whole like abandoned father type theme. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's yeah. what I mean by family, not by like sit down with the fam. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she was like, cause she doesn't do um, uh that much dramatic work as an actress but she has the face for it um and uh she's done a lot of like comedy stuff that she's written and starred in uh but um uh i, I don't know I, I had a coffee you know i had a coffee with her um and we just talked about the character and she was just uh you know she got it you know and um she was yeah. she, she wanted to do it which is always like super crucial when someone just really wants to do it to prove something like that's really really imp- important and um and yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, but I had no idea if she could really pull off like some like weighty dramatic work. I, I it was kind of a gamble to be honest, but she, um, I think she worked out really well. She really uh, impressed, uh, impressed me, and and and, um, and so yeah, I mean that that shoot went went very smoothly because it was the same producer, one of the same producers of Monster Party, and um, so I kind of knew what I was getting myself into with like a tight schedule. So I definitely uh, planned accordingly. So you're saying like um, so when you do frequent collaborations, it's a more smoother process than getting to know somebody like, yeah, well, like, yeah, well, Monster Party was a very, um, uh, you know, a huge learning curve for me, you know, cause I just, I had, I, you know, it was new people, you know, mostly new, all new people that I was working with. And I had a system for a while before that. Yeah. And uh, this was completely different. Yeah. Like, there's certain things about like having frequent people on the podcast where like you have like you you always you always have a smooth rhythm with them when you're talking with them. So you're saying like you got a smooth rhythm with like the producers that you consistently work with. Like you just you know what I mean. You know their preferences. They know your preferences. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, yeah, like when you make a couple features, I mean, you should at that point kind of know what you're doing um, and know you kind of pick and choose and start to really sculpt uh the team that um works for you personally because like the people that you're doing business with is very very important and it, it's in some ways it's more important than the actual product that you're putting out you know it's like it's all about relationships and, and you gotta there has to be a chemistry because it's gonna be a long you know making movies you know um it's a tricky you know it's a, it's a long it's a long long road yeah yeah so i had a question about shutter were you a fan of that streaming service before your film was was an exclusive on it uh yeah i mean i i didn't really uh i actually just subscribed to shutter like six months ago um i appreciate so the I, honesty yeah uh well i mean i i'd watched um i i no that's well that's not tech i did subscribe to it long before moss party got acquired by it um but i think my it was right in the beginning when they started and for some reason the internet the, the internet connection was just not working uh, on it for some reason for me so i i went off of it and then I went back on it, um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's some. I think I, Shutter's only getting better. I feel like now they're like producing yeah. their own originals, and like they're only um, they've only been around for so long, you know. So like they're only um, gonna get better with the you know the material they're putting out. They have this one guy that does film reviews on it. Like he did Chud. Like he reviewed Chud. I don't know if you uh, know that uh, movie. Uh, the the dwellers, uh, the underground dwellers. Dude, so. I'm gonna look this guy up. But it's like. Uh, John yeah. Hurd, uh, was it John Hurd? He's, he, there's he, some guy he, from he, Home Alone in it. 
Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. John Hurd. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah, dude. It's just like that guy has a real cool show on it, where like he stops it in the middle and like counts the amount of like deaths or something and talks about it, and it's real like it's a real like it it's not on TV, but it looks like it should be on TV. TV you know what I mean? Like he's got like the whole studio. Like it's not just some. Are, are you talking about house? Uh, you know what I mean? Are you talking about Joe Bob Briggs? Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, he had been doing that for like a couple decades. Yeah, like, I read, I read up on him and stuff. You know. Yeah, they brought him back because he was doing that in like the late '80s, '90s, and then he went and then he disappeared for a while because he's actually a pretty, you know, because he was in Casino, the Scorsese film. Yes, he was the um the guy with he had like a hat or something like yeah, he had like he's, a weird he's ass. Hat. Like, he's, he's like the nephew of the mayor. Uh, and he's and he messes around with um he, he like he puts his foot on the table. Oh no no no! That's a that's actually a different guy. But Joe Bob Briggs plays. No, he's uh, the guy he's who like, messes up on the uh, slot machines and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and De Niro kind of really rips him, a, rips his ass. You know, like just just. The thing <laughs> about Casino does, I like it better than Goodfellas. I have a real. I do too. That's 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 uh, we're in good company. You know, like a uh, Casino, I think is a. Uh, and when I tell, I, I have a friend that like you know argues with me about that. He says, "Oh, Casino is like deleted scenes of Goodfellas," and I I've known this guy for like eight years, and I want to like punch him in the face whenever he says mm. that. You know? How dare you say that? I mean, that's such an idiotic. It's better uh, though. It's like argument. the thing about it though is it's not just like some movie about a couple fucking gangsters. It like details the end of an era. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's a great. I mean, I love the whole law. I mean, I love Las Vegas crime films like The Cooler and Heart Eight, uh, Showgirls and Heart Eight. You know, I love Las Vegas as a backdrop. You know, uh, it's yeah. Mall cop too. <laughs> Mall cop too. I'm I, joking. I only, I only saw the first one, which. I don't know why, but I mean, I I like a you know some stupid stupid like I love like grown ups and like fat, I love like, fat man fall, haha. Yeah, that's I mean I, I don't care whatever you know it's just like I don't care that it's stupid like say, that's why I like Joe Dirt like I have a Joe Dirt poster because no, Joe Dirt's funny. It's he got a couple of motivational quotes though like that whole life's a garden dig it make it work for you to keep on keeping yeah. on. There might I'm be cool. like a, yeah. You know, Kid Rock's funny, and uh, you know, it's, no, Joe Dirt's a, um, like actually, my friend was like an assistant editor on Joe Dirt too, because uh, he worked for Crackle for a while, and so he worked with uh, Crackle is a really good Crackle. streaming service. Like the sequel, yeah, I started watching some, uh, yeah, some of Crackle recently. They had um, they had El Mariachi on it, so that was a cool thing to see. And he also had um, Escape from New York. No, not Escape from New York. Fuck out of here. Um, King of New York with. I love King of New York. Mm. So I I did a, a video essay about that on my channel, and it's like the highest viewed video on my channel. It's got like three thousand views, and it's like oh my god, three thousand views. But like, um, all these people were commenting like, King of New York is the best. Like everybody, there's a real crowd that thinks that like King of New York's like the greatest New York gangster movie. And um, I don't know if I did I, I agree with that, but I still respect that. Like, there's a real underground following within like the rap community because like a lot of the people that commented were like rappers i interview because i like interview a million rappers because like it's fun yeah. to me so like because like the re the reason i found the movie is i was looking at looking at videos on like movies that impacted hip-hop and it was like scarface um mm -hmm. the godfather and then king new york and i was like what and then it shows like a bunch of like well, there's a lot of hip-hop in king like, like Schooly D was all over that soundtrack. You remember, like Schooly D, he was like a hardcore, uh, you know, like Abel Ferrara used Schooly D on his soundtracks for a while. I really want to check out like Bad Lieutenant and all Abel Ferrara's movies for sure. Yeah, he's one of my, he's he's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, like, 
I'm pretty sure he's still making shit today, though. Like, I just look. I know, yes. I'm really, I'm a Wikipedia guy. I'll Wikipedia everything. Like, after I watch a movie, like, people always yell at me while I'm in the middle of movies because I'm on my phone. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm looking at the Wikipedia for the movie so I understand more about it. Like, I'm not looking at the plot. Like, I'm looking at, like, where it was shot. For sure, yeah. Yeah, But, like, all people know is what they see. So they just see someone with a phone and they flip out. Yeah, I, I don't know. I used to be, like, hate people that were on phones, but, like, now I understand, like, information is a curse the intentions are right yeah 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 um so your favorite film is the shining what other kubrick films do you enjoy uh i only say the shining because that's probably like the film that i've just seen more than any other film as weird as that sounds you haven't seen any other kubrick movies uh, no, I'm just like in general, like that's like a film that I've seen like a hundred times. I just like, uh, I'm just obsessed with that film, but no, I've seen most of Kubrick films. Um, I, I, Lolita was like one of my favorites for a while and the killing, um, full metal jacket, I think is, uh, the first half is just like undeniably, uh, perfect. You know, so there you go. Yeah. Dude, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I like the second half a lot too, but I do think the first half, like I watched the first half, like when I first watched it. Like I watched the first half and really turned it off, and then I started to learn appreciation for the second half. Just like, and I yeah. realized it's breaking down into like three different sections. When you well, that's really kind of what he does. Like, um, it's like uh, three short know, films, really. Blackwork Orange is kind of like two halves of a film. You know, he's violent, then he's not violent. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's. Uh, yeah, Kubrick is. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's. You know, I mean, he's 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 great. Yeah, I think what's what's interesting about him is the stupid conspiracy theories about him as well. Like that's how you know he like makes really captivating movies is like some amazing conspiracy theory about him, which I don't really fully agree with. But it's like his his shouts out to him for being so relevant, and he's been like dead for twenty one years. You know, so yeah, for sure. Actually, it's funny. Like I used to live in a, I used to work in New York City for like a three years he's going back to like 2007 8 9 yeah. 10 11 you know around that time and and I, I was in a subway station in queens and right behind the vending machine where you get your metro card uh, to go on the subway there was uh, an archived um eyes wide shut poster from 1999 and uh, it, yeah well i mean this was like 13, 12 years ago now but like uh, it, it was probably like no it was like 2011 i think that was the time that i saw it and uh, so i might still be up there but it was it was literally like finding buried treasure like that's what it looked that's what it felt like i mean, I, I kept it there because i wanted to like you know keep this historical monument to remain yeah, where it monument. was i don't understand any division of that movie at all like eyes wide shut like i never understood why it has like some people say that like oh it's not his best like i really love that movie and it's i i just don't like when people think it's just an orgy movie it's not yeah well that's all. what they, uh, the the scene that always uh stands out to me in that film is um when tom cruise like begins his uh, odyssey um when he goes out into the middle of the night by himself and he's walking by himself down a sidewalk and uh there's like this group of uh frat kids like college frat kids and they shove him into the car and they like call him like you know names and all that 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 scene stands out to me the most because i was like wow you've literally just made me feel sorry for the biggest movie star on the planet. Like I felt bad for Tom Cruise. 
Like I feel he's bad. He's not for just him like that point. macho fucking spy character. Like you know what I mean? Like he's yeah, I just to, he's something different. You know, That's my favorite Tom Cruise movie. If I'll be honest, maybe top three. Uh, Born, but. The, Born the Fourth of July is probably the one that I go to the most. Yes. Uh, but you know, like Jerry Maguire, I love and and uh, Magnolia. Did you hear? Yeah. I loved his um rant on set. Like, yeah, I thought it was. I actually thought it was uh, justified. Yes, I, I yeah. agree. Like. Just safety is safety is key. That's all I'll say about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no. I mean, uh, especially on a film of that size, like there's no excuse for like not following protocols because you have the money to follow those protocols efficiently. And yeah. And and you know, people say it's a publicity stunt and all this nonsense. I mean, Tom Cruise is you know, if he's gonna like make a statement about that, you know, if anyone's gonna make a huge statement about that, it's someone like Tom Cruise to do it on a set and. And yeah. uh, you know, it had to be said. My favorite part about Eyes Wide Shut is like just the in general, the street. Like when he's walking in the street, like when he's angry and pissed off walking down the street. Not like the um, yeah. frat boy scene. Not just that. That's a good one as well. But like when he's being followed and shit towards the end. Mm. That's real good. Like in um, oh the end scene with the um, the Ziegler guy where he's like those aren't normal people like if you found out what people were in that me um if you found out what people were there you wouldn't sleep well and i like what that implies you know what i mean you know like that that film like i don't really um remember like a lot of specific scenes from it only because like i want to that film to me is like uh it comes off the way i think it's intended where it comes off like like a dream that i just had where you just kind of remember pieces of it you know yeah and I haven't seen it that many. It's a good, you know, it's a three-hour. I, I remember the first act a lot more because it was like the first act was kind of based in reality, like with the two, with the women, with the woman like overdosing at the party, and he's like coming to help her, like when he's a, you know, and, and the two women are flirting with him and, and at, at the party um, when he's in the tuxedo, and like I remember that stuff, and, and you know, I remember like the opening credits, which I loved, and you know, the, the Lily Sobieski's part, and. The yeah. you know the scene with the piano man and but yeah I, I should rewatch that on again. the piano yeah like it's just two two notes it's just like boom it's like it's like that's cool C C sharp C like it's just like simple as shit but yeah and um but also like I really compare that movie to Rosemary's Baby but I feel like it's a bit better than Rosemary's Baby have you seen Rosemary's Baby do you care for it yeah no I I, I like it I mean I think it's like a dark comedy more than a horror film. Um, mm. but I, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a little long, uh, but you know, I, I, yeah. and the I, ending, I, like I didn't like the ending though. I, <laughs> I feel like she well, should have just killed, she should have either killed the baby or just like ran away. Yeah. Well, there's a, have you seen a, there's like this film that I don't even think got distribution. It's called uh delivery. It's a found footage movie, uh, from 2013. I saw it at the LA film festival and I don't really think it got released. Because the ending is so effed up, and uh, but it deals with—I'll I'll say it deals with uh, a pair of scissors and a baby's head. I'll, I'll say that much. Mm. Uh, that's that's all I'll say. I'm Newborn gonna write baby. that down though. So, I'm gonna uh, write that down as well. The delivery. I, think, I, I it's just called delivery. I think it was 2013, 2014. So it's you like, saw it, like, but it never really released. Yeah, I don't think I don't. Yeah, because I never really because it was the ending makes the whole because the, the movie leading up to the ending is actually pretty subpar, but like the ending makes the whole experience. Mm. Mm. So, 
you're talking about you know New York you York New York you were um acting there before you got into filmmaking like you described your American Academy of Dramatic Arts experience as educational yet very political how do politics have something to do with an acting school uh it was just like uh you know kind of like groomed you a little bit for you know how how other businesses can work uh um where you know there's like the second year that they're kind of grooming everyone for the first year to see who's going to make the cut for the second year and then after that they groom even less people to uh see who's going to make what's called company which is their third year where they start putting on one act plays for like agents to come to and all that it was a whole thing and uh and i didn't make it a second year and um and i remember someone saying that like oh he's meant more for like comedy acting and we're more serious acting school. you uh yeah well i mean like that's uh i've <laughs> i have done some uh there's <laughs> There's some YouTube videos uh, that I made like years ago that uh, reflect uh, showed some of my com- comedic skills as an actor. Um, uh, it's not exactly high quality filmmaking, but uh, the acting uh, is kind of hilarious uh, to watch as a nostalgia trip down memory lane. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, it just you know, it's it's really all about like people that uh, um, you know, I say I say it was political, but like who knows? Maybe I just wasn't good enough. You know, <laughs> I mean, like that's 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 part of it as well you know but i did think there was a lot of sort of you know kissing ass that a lot of people uh, had to do mm, so it was just like a lot of appealing to the higher ups instead of like working on the craft is that what you meant yeah and not to say these people because some of the people that got accepted the second year were quite good but then there were there were some people that i was that i was kind of questioning a little bit but you know um but again, you know, maybe maybe I, I get like uh, I do think half of it was because uh, at the time I wasn't really uh, meant for like serious acting, uh, like dramatic acting. Um, so I think that was certainly part of it, what they saw. But the other half, I think uh, I just didn't really I, I just don't really suck up to people. You know, I just don't really kiss ass or try to like, you yeah. know, try to latch on to people like that. Yeah. So what off Broadway shows did you do like what, what were you most proud of uh, out of all your acting in terms of like what you actually played uh well you know none of them really i mean like the, the none of them i i really uh i appreciate the honesty bro yeah i mean i just um uh i mean there was like this christmas show that i that i did like uh in 2009 that was actually pretty successful. Like Conan O'Brien promoted it in his monologue twice, in his opening monologue. So it got a lot of traction. It was performing in the in Greenwich Village, and then it moved to a different theater um, in Soho, I think. And uh, um, so I did two plays with this company um, over the course of two years. And uh, one was like a super late night show that was not very successful. That was the second one, and then the first one was this Christmas show that was very successful because it was seasonal. So that's always going to be more of a niche that you could. Uh, uh, profit off of but um i played like five characters in that thing uh and you know i i guess that one just because it was the most successful um yeah financially but uh i i never really like had much uh success as an actor you know it's just a lot of black I mean, box plays and smaller plays and we're here though you know what i'm saying but you got some I mean, it, fucking you know, good if movies any, out you know if, if it, well i appreciate that if anybody asks me to like you know do a bit part in a movie or a tv show or a short that like i i thought that it was uh 
you know, a good character and I didn't have to do it for a long period of time, then I would probably, it, it, you know, I mean, I, I, I would certainly think about it. Um, cause I, I'm not ruling acting out completely. I just don't want to like, you know, someone would have to ask me to like come and do something. You're not for, openly like, asking people to be involved with that. Like you're just kind of like, you, 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 you rather do other things in the entertainment world, you know? Yeah. Cause I think, you know, I, I just, yeah. I mean, I'd rather, I would rather like, uh, I would rather, um, I would rather get into like, I would rather get into podcasting than get in, to get back into acting. Like, cause I think podcasting is an awesome, and I think podcasting is only going to get more popular, uh, because of COVID and, and the way the industry. Yeah. I do switched. know a couple of podcasts that have started in, um, during like, as soon as the lockdown started mine, but other ones as well. Um, yeah. but like, yeah, it, podcasting is fucking awesome, and it's not like I can still do other creative stuff as well while doing podcasting. It doesn't like yeah, it's a great take up a majority of my time. Um, like I still do music production, like just like making beats, and I still write scripts while I'm doing like not in the middle of I'm fucking podcasting, but like I still can oh, put yeah. something out. And I'm not tired, you know. What I mean? Right, right, right. I can still go open. What do I use? write or do it or whatever the fuck you know? Yeah. Yeah, so you had a 40-minute mockumentary. Do you care to yes. share any information about that? Uh, well, this is like, you know, this is touching on a whole other life that I had in, in, uh, in New York City, uh, which was very different than a life I've had in Los Angeles. Because um, New York City was all acting. That was all an acting life. Um, and, uh, but it was a movie called Quiet on the Set. It was from 2010. It is on YouTube. Um, it don't go in expecting um, an extraordinary piece of art. Uh, don't go in expecting high production quality because uh, it was literally just myself running the show. Um, there was really no crew and it was a very cheap old camera from like 1999. But that was kind of a creative justification because I wanted it to look really grainy and kind of borderline shitty. You know, because it kind of looked like I just wanted it to look like an old fake documentary, like this is Spinal Tap or something. Mm. And um, but it was the first thing I had ever made from beginning to end. Um, but again, at the same time, I was more focused on acting at the time um, than making like a great film. Uh, and so I just you know put together a, a bunch an ensemble of like actor friends that I had, and, and we just kind of made this made this. <laughs> I mean, I, I still think if you can make it to the second half of the movie, because I, I think the second half, like the 20 minute mark and on, I think is some really hilarious things in there. Um, the first half, I think, is pretty funny, too. But it's really, I you know, there's some stumbling. There's some filmmaking stumbling in there, you know, pacing wise. You know. OK, yeah. Not so, to say, you know, I mean, I hate to give a review of it before you watch it, but uh, you know, I'm just I'll probably uh, check it out. Now honest. that you're probably going to be thinking of that, you know, if you watch it, yeah. I've seen um, I've seen about like I've seen probably like three or four of your shorts probably. Okay. Like yeah. I've seen yeah. White Trash was a good one. Yeah. Blue. That's when I rewatched though. Out of all the shorts I watch, I rewatched Blue and stuff. Yeah. Um I have a question about your journalism and blogging. Like what forms of that have you gotten yourself into? Uh well I don't really take it super um 
at least not right now. I don't really, uh, I, I've written like articles on Medium and I did like a blog like years ago um, that looking back at it now, it's kind of hard to stomach reading it, but um, it was very juvenile. Uh, but like now, I think I found more of a footing as a writer because um, I do consider myself more of a writer um, at this point in my life. Maybe I wouldn't have said that five years ago, but now I think, uh, seeing like the realities of the business uh, financially. Um, I, I just, uh, I see, I, I had to force myself to really find my footing as a, as a writer. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I've written some like articles on Medium, but again, I don't really take them super seriously. I, I mean, I put, eff I certainly put effort into them, but uh, it's more just, just like a creative, creative outlet. Yeah, I do, yeah, I do have a fun, yeah. Another form of expression, but you still don't take it as seriously as your films. No, no, um, and maybe one day I will. You know, I just right now I, I um, yeah, yeah, they're kind of like niche articles, and uh, um, you know, people want to read them, go for it. Yeah, yeah um, I want to bring out one though: the top ten female filmmakers. You added the American Psycho filmmaker Mary Heron. That's the only Mary Heron film I've seen. Do you have any other recommendations of Mary Heron films? Yeah, uh, uh, the, the, I shot Andy Warhol, uh, which is, uh, I want to say, her first film. That, that's uh, correct. She, yeah, it was like 95, 96, like uh, Michael Imperioli's in that film, and, and uh, Lily Taylor's in that film, and, and it's a, you know, I, I, I think it's great. It's, a, one of the, it's one of those like great indie 90s films, and, and she made a film called um, The Notorious Betty Page as well, with Gretchen Mole, about the... Um, uh, the pinup model on the 60s or 50s. Um, so she's just like, I mean, I love like, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with like what's going on right now with uh, a lot of like female storytellers. Cause, but, but at the same time, I've, I've never really thought that I, I, I really think that, I mean, there's been so many fantastic female storytellers, um, even like long before the Me Too, I mean, it's opened up a lot more doors for female, for women, but like, you know, there's been a lot of like really extraordinary female talent uh, for like 30 straight years. And uh, what's that one girl who made this one movie last year with like, uh, no, 2019 with like Aquafina or some shit? Oh, uh, The Farewell? Yeah, that got a lot of traction. Uh, and I actually didn't see that film. Me neither. Um, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. I started. I start start watching on a plane i'm like yeah this is not the kind of film to watch on a plane uh, so i just stopped watching them um, dude 2019 have... let's be honest 2019 was a great year for movies i agree it was a great year for box office too i mean it was a great great year for movies it was a real it was one of the best years i thought and like from a standpoint of like you know commercial movies but also like quote-unquote indie movies like un not really fully indie movies but like smaller movies that have like a certain cult like following like uncut gems the, the lighthouse the art of self-defense i don't know if you saw that i thought that was really good i heard i heard of that um yeah yeah it's just like icon a lot of iconic 2019 movies um i'm gonna wrap this up in about five minutes i got a couple more questions for you have you worked on with Lloyd Culberson on other projects? Uh, no. I mean, Lloyd, um, we kind of came up together a little bit. He's he's a guy that uh, I was friends with a lot of people from this school, from a school called Playhouse West in North Hollywood, which is an acting acting uh, school. Uh, and uh, 
and so I mean, a lot of the actors in Drifter are from that school. Um, and uh, and Lloyd, I who believe, specifically yeah. from who else from Drifter was in it? Uh, all all of them, with the exception of like a couple. Uh, like like not, I'd say like ninety percent of the actors in that film were from that school. Um, and uh, but yeah, I mean Lloyd, uh, I've known him for like since like for like six years or so, and 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 I. You know he's a super prolific. I mean, he makes a lot of like. I mean, he's he's dark. You know, he's uh, he's you know hardcore into uh, you know like Gaspar Noé and Larry Clark and Harmony Korine and and uh, but he is a true artist. Like he is the definition of an artist. Like he will, he, and he's an actor too. Like he will lose fifty pounds. He will be bones for a role. Like he is a true hardcore artist and. Um, and so I liked I liked that in him because I knew he was an actor as well. And uh, so him and I had been talking about making a short film together for for years. And and finally, uh, 2019, we did it. And um, and because uh, I just knew that he was gonna you know really go for it and, and try to do something something pretty full on. Yeah. But, um, so and, and obviously the result was was pretty fire. Did you get any other? What did someone else besides me say about? blue like what did other did you, would, would your friend show them when you what, what did your friend say when you showed it to them uh they they all seemed to like it uh, my mom my mom hated it i don't know why i showed it to her um <laughs> i don't yeah she just you know she yeah. hated it <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh but I, yeah but like i i really didn't know what i had no idea if people were gonna go for this thing at all i was just like yeah you know i'm just gonna post it and then just see I'll post it for like 48 hours and, and see, um, see how people respond to it. And, uh, and then I've showed it to like other people in the last like couple months or so. Um, just, you know, people that, that, that knew the actor and they're like, Hey, do you know that like, I actually made a short film with that, with that guy recently. Yeah. And they hear, hear so they, and they seem to like it too. So, I mean, I, that was kind of like, um, I w I was surprised. I was surprised by the response by it. Uh, um, it seems like, it seems like the more full on, <laughs> The more full on you go, more if the more unfiltered you go, people seem to like it more than if you hold back and try to be mainstream. Uh, yeah. So like that's what I because I made something a month a few months after that uh, with a um, female friend of mine, and it was I kind of did the exact. It was a similar kind of DIY short, and I tried to do something very mainstream, you know, just kind of like something that's fun, and it, and it didn't really get the same response. You know? What is that? So I kind of just took it off online. You took it off? Yeah, I took it off. I just didn't really... Uh, oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of... Uh, it's complicated. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't got to go into it if you don't want to go into it. You, you don't go into it, if you go into it. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, so... Um, how'd you become a part of CAA? Uh, I had, um, when I was developing Monster Party with my, with my friend Eric, who's the producer that was responsible for getting that movie made, um, and I really owe a lot to him, he, uh, I was developing with him in the beginning, and he, um, and then when the script got to a place that he really loved it, he decided, all right, we gotta take this development process to the next level, we got to get you representation to help package this thing. And um, so then he uh, introduced me to my manager at a company called Grandview, uh, which had only been around for two years when I signed with them. Uh, now they're like, you know, I mean, they're really um, uh, doing great stuff now. But um, 
you know, my manager and I hit it off, and and um, and then he, and then my manager was the one that ended up uh, getting me um, signed with CAA because he had gone to college with, uh, he was college roommates with uh, my agent. Um, yeah. But uh, but I, I do I I talk to my manager like every every pretty pretty frequently him and his assistant um, I talk to my agent like every now and then it, it, that that's for like very specific when like deals are being made when something's being like you know when money when money comes it's into not the equation your every day you know what I mean like it's not like every day like you're chatting with the no 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 it's not that kind of it's just um, when you're like I got something ready I want to prepare let's get yeah, this it's, when something's like ready to start you know he'll be on certain calls when something's being said but like it's really my manager i mean he's the guy that uh you know he's my guy yeah 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 um let me see what else we could cover um i feel like we covered a lot so do you have anything you want to announce about anything you got working on anything you've been working on before we uh end this interview uh yeah i mean there's a there's a few things um uh like i said it's because of uh because of like you know what's going on in the world it's kind of hard to really know when anything's going to be greenlit uh but um but there is some there is a feature film that we're deep deep into um but when it's going to be shot uh i'm not quite sure i want to say this year um i think th the world just needs to settle but like there's other like writing things that i'm doing i mean i think uh, i've sort of kind of now with the state of the industry kind of figuring things out i i kind of instead of committing every waking second to trying to get the next movie made and trying to kill myself trying to do that i kind of swapped uh, approaches and and kind of focus more on uh just you know, being prolific as a writer, whether I direct the stuff or not, um, and kind of uh, almost treat getting movies made as a side side hustle, because uh, it's just um, that was a harsh reality that I learned uh, um, a couple years after I got signed was like how how unbelievably uh, complicated and slow and hard it is to actually get feature films uh made um, what do you mean as a side hustle though well like uh something that i like every year i'll write a fee i'll write a script that i plan on making myself on top of like other things that i'll write that i don't necessarily need to direct um but it's something that i like i guess like you can't look at like making feature films as like your primary as like your primary source of income like like a job like you have to really kind of uh be you have to kind of works it this business is like a science that i'm just starting to get and uh, and it took me a while to, it took me a few years to kind of really crack the code um of this industry and maybe i still haven't cracked it but i certainly know how to adapt i feel uh going forward and um and feature films will, will always be like uh um, part of me, like getting, you know, getting feature films made. But, uh, but I, 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 I've, I've found, I feel like I've found more, um, uh, satisfaction in, in, in writing, uh, lately. Um, and, uh, but like feature films is just, uh, something that, uh, you know, if I can make a feature film, like 
once a year, that would be great. But um, you know, some the world doesn't always work that tidily, and uh, you know, and, and it's not yeah. like these are like. Uh, you know, I and and look, I could go off and 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 you know get some people together and make a you know a super non-union indie feature. I mean, I'm talking to my producing another producing partner, my friend, a friend of mine, uh, who's we're talking about just doing that. You're tempted know? And, to just go all out with just a couple buddies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, he he's been talked he's been talked about that. I mean, he's been in the business for like 20 years, but him and I did go out to Illinois like early December and. and Cause we have access to all these locations and that's so like that was um and he's been talking about setting something up just like something super like just do it totally independently and um so like that's so it's kind of like these two different features that were uh one i'm way deeper into and then one other that's kind of we're in the you know early we're in the throes of it or early yeah. stages of like there's no script there's just an outline um so but there's locations that we have access to so that they're both kind of like in, in pretty good places development wise but but yeah, I just uh, I think any advice I'd give to like filmmakers wanting to uh, make a career in this industry, I think uh, just um, get uh, great at because uh, uh, I directed my way into the business, and I don't know if I would recommend that to people. I think uh, what do you mean? Like uh, you know, you, I, I feel like it's better if you write your way into the business, like like become okay. great at writing, and then the films will come together organically after that. But I just didn't. I was a <laughs> I was very, very impatient um, and, and not going to film school or college and having those built-in relationships. I just kind of approached it, you know, I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to make, create a portfolio um, and just keep uh, hustling and networking and meeting people and just create this body of work um, that, you know, at a certain point, someone's going to notice something. And, uh, but I, I would just, uh, but now I'm at that point where it's like, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm kind of like a, uh, you know, I, 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 I would just tell people to like, you know, just get, get great at writing first before, uh, that's more uh, important. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's all we really could cover. Um, yeah, I'm going to end it now. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Big fan of movies and I'll definitely be following everything you'd be releasing. Like for real, I really enjoy it all and i'm like a kid in a candy store right now you know what i mean i'm just, hey, I'm man, just that's hype, awesome. you know yeah that's awesome dude i mean uh yeah i mean you're a big uh i i'm really happy with your support and like that you know the yeah. watched even the short films too you know because a lot of people a lot of people don't know about those short films and that kind of really bums me out you know because I, I a lot of work was put into those things for like a long period of time and uh and it just it's i hate when people say like oh he's made a couple movies you know like uh, you know because i just like well i mean you know there's a whole other you know, sub body of work out there that you could watch if you care to. But you know, so I'm happy uh, you you watched them all, man. That's awesome. If you want to check out the short films, go to his Vimeo. Um, I'm probably gonna link that down below because they're pretty. There's some good stuff. I'd say like White Trash and Blue and Fuel Junkie, probably the best out of them. You also get a couple demo reels and links below to his social media as well. Thanks for coming on, man. For sure, yeah. I mean, you can go to my website too. It's just my name.com that has everything on there. So, chrisvonhoffman.com. Pretty simple. Everything's on there. So, but cool, man. All right. Bye. So, if you want to hear some audiobooks and you really don't feel like opening that dirty paperback book or dirty hardcover book, you know, and you're just, you just not, you don't have the time to really open books and carry them around with you. Well, if you like podcasts or you like music, just get on an audiobook, and you can do that by joining Audible. Click the link in the description.
and you'll get a one month free trial of Audible. And you can also support the channel by joining through that link. That link is audibletrial.com slash Mike Media Inc. Or you could just click it down below and you'll get one month free trial of Audible. And um, there's different type of subscriptions you can get there. There's the $15 a month one, $8 a month one. The $15 month one has more books available. The $8 month one does not really have that much books available. But yeah, definitely check out the Audible, you know, subscription and also support the channel by joining through the link audibletrial.com slash Mike Media Inc. Or just click it in the description of this video or podcast. Thank you. If you want to make the move into spending money digitally, use Cash App. You can send and receive money with the app and invest in stocks and Bitcoin. Bitcoin's doing pretty fucking well right now. I don't know anything about it, but I know that through this app you can invest in it. I don't know what that means. That just means that you potentially could make a lot of money. Sure, do it, I guess, if you want. <laughs> Try using my code and you'll get $5 when you join with the app. Like, if you already have it, this ad does not apply to you. The code is VZPM. W H J or you just click the link in the description and you'll support the channel and be able to digitally spend and receive money and also invest in all that shit. Just click the link, um, the cash app link there. This um only works if you have like a phone or something like that. Um and you get five dollars when you join through that code and also we get some money from that as well. Um yeah, thanks. If you want to support the channel, do that. Click that link, join Cash App. If you want to get some hoodies, t-shirts, or masks, check out Good Vibes Clothing. You can support the channel by using the code HASS at checkout and getting 10% off of your order. But also, using that code will support the channel monetarily. You can get some cool hoodies from this website. Um, the website is gvclothing.weebly. That's two E's. Dot com, or just click the link in the description of this video or podcast. At checkout, use code HASS, H-A-S-S, 10% off. And you can also support the channel by getting a discount and saving money. The owner of this company is a friend of mine. He's a local Delawarean, uh, you know, artist and he's really trying to build his brand up so definitely show him some love if you're a local Delaware person or you are a fan of small independent businesses and small entrepreneurs and want to support small entrepreneurs definitely support the good vibes clothing and also you could support me if you're a fan of my content so check it out gvclothing.weebly.com at checkout use code HASS 10% off and you'll support the channel thank you if you want to get some awesome merch, click the link in the description and you can get this merch board, or you could just look up teespring.com slash stores slash Mike dash has dash merch and you can get some merchandise from the channel or just click it in the description. It's probably easier. And um, yeah, we got some, we got a, a shirt with the Mike Media Inc. logo on it and the Hascast logo on the back. Or you got like a Hascast fanny pack. You got Mad Snake merch if you're a fan of that channel, which I also managed to. You can also get a mug and you can also get a, a fanny pack as well that says Mike Media Inc. on it. Mike Media Inc. cloth face mask. All this is reasonably priced. 
uh the cheapest thing to buy is a mug and yeah just definitely check it out support the channel and represent like me the ink and represent this awesome content you know some guy is gonna be walking down the street and he's gonna be like uh what's the shirt that you're wearing and they're gonna and you're gonna be like oh it's the mike Hass merch oh you don't know who mike Hass is you're gonna you're gonna, like you're gonna be like making people look stupid for not watching this amazing fucking content, okay? That's what you gotta fucking do. You gotta make people look stupid for not watching these fucking videos because that's how fucking good they are. Or podcasts. Yeah. Buy the merch. You know the vibes. If you want to get some fake movie props to either prank your friends or use them in music videos or use them in movies or something like that, check out viceprops.com you can use the code hascash at checkout for 10% off use the referral code in the link below use that code and at checkout use code hashcash and hascash and get 10% off any order you know the vibes hope everything's doing well and be sure to support the channel by getting some vice props fake money. If you use that code, it will help the channel monetarily. Thank you. Listen, if you want to support the channel monthly and also get some cool content behind the scenes, unreleased content, or just get discounts on clothing and stuff like that, and also have little text updates that are besides the ones that you see on my website you can subscribe to me on patreon that's patreon.com slash mike media inc three dollars a month and you get to see some cool never before seen content i post there about two to three times weekly and um i'm very consistent and also if a video gets removed off of youtube for copyright purposes i'll put it up there you know what i mean and um, I'm always trying to engage with the community and stuff like that. You get access to the thriving Discord, um, which is a beautiful, thriving Discord. And, uh, you know, it's a good community thing. We got a lot of chat going on. So, yeah, definitely check out the Mike Media Inc. Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Mike Media Inc. $3 a month. You know the vibes.